Hello, and welcome to Modern Animism, a very convoluted guide. I'm your podcast host, Sarah Jane. It's Modern Animist Monday. I'm doing two podcasts back to back, and this one is on Descartian ideology and how animism rejects Descartian theology. As you were and understand, animism believes that there is inherent life in all objects. This either takes the form of all objects that have consciousness, either on an atomic level or actually on a fully cellular level, it's just that we can't understand all objects. It could be that we're all equal because we all have um, consciousness. It could be that we're all equal because we all have souls. Or it could be that we're all equal because there's a kind of empathy that bonds us. Or we could all be equal because we all come from the same cosmic source. And therefore, we represent that source within ourselves. So the microcosm represents the whole. So all of those are valid animistic thoughts. However, Descartian philosophy starts with René Descartes. And he comes along and he says, I think, therefore I am. And... In doing so, he creates a chasm between where the consciousness lies and where the physicality lies. He's effectively saying this is a realm where consciousness belongs in, this is a realm that physicality belongs in, and neither the two will meet. You can have matter and physicality, or you can have thought and consciousness. Um, and so your thought can belong in this extraneous supernatural space. And obviously, in animism, we have to reject that. We believe that if there is a consciousness that's inherent, it could come through karmic past life. That, you know, this tree used to be your uncle or something. And therefore, his consciousness has to reside in that tree Although we don't have that consciousness, we have no way of communicating with it. But we understand that there is a, a symbiotic relationship between us and that tree. And we believe there are spirits in things, or specifically energy. Something has taken place, transaction. And so we have empathy for the environment. And, and then we see identities in the inorganic objects. So, for that to happen, the consciousness is not important. We understand that things have consciousness, but we're not always able to communicate them. It implies that the communication is not important. Um, And the idea that I think, therefore I am, it's a sort of imperialistic to us now. We see that um, to be a person that matters, one has to have conscious thought. We have to be able to communicate. We have to have this kind of perception of ourselves and self-awareness or self-understanding of where our future is or where our past is, what journey we're going on, what sort of experience we're holding. Even if that's not connected to our physicalness, that it still has to exist out there. So in that respect, we have to reject 
and Cartesian ideology of where the consciousness resides. And that the consciousness is important and that, like we said, some things are just energy, some things are just animate because they have souls. It's not about the intellectual process. So then to Cartesian ideology, then because it's taught us that there is um, a sense of soul and a sense of body, it also then goes on to teach us about different kinds of duality, um, such as the soul and the physical body. And then after that point, all the other con- all the other dualities come into effect, you know, male or female, good or bad. So once we have this... Um, duality between things that duality can then be applied into other things for example if you have two things the mental state and the emotional state if you have a physical or intellectual body that precludes the idea that one thing is always going to be greater than the other so the intellect is always superior to the physicality which is what how we see the world at the moment that intellectual is more important if he hadn't separated the two we would never have that process so that's the second way that we um, deny um, Cartesian ideology. That he's, he's built things up into um, the duality of nature that we have to deny because we see everything as equal. Not as equal, but things exist here and now in reality. And there is no, that, no duality between things. Um, and that we also reject the idea that there is a hierarchy, that one thing becomes more important than the other um, in terms of how things function. We learnt then in the last lesson as well the idea of intellect being more important than physicalness then would lead us on to naturalism and we were looking at Rousseau's social contract, the idea of, of nature versus nurture. So we actually were believing that in that idea that humanity is put into a social construct and what kind of person would become really become a different person than a person who's just left out in nature and which which construct is better for um, humanity. So um, again, this kind of idea of imperialism that society is more important than what they would what they compared it to what we call the noble savage which isn't the ideal idea that we or description that we should be using now but you had the civilized person and the noble savage so obviously we're denying that we deny the idea that people aren't civilized as savages even though you know that no matter how noble they are because other forms of society are valuable and are just as important so we can't think this higher more educated society is more important than the than the the folk religions that do practice animism so we have to deny those sort of beliefs as well and there's um lots of reasons for us to deny this and it's important that there is somebody out there who is standing against these kind of beliefs but firstly if you think about um the idea of they think therefore i am how do we then proceed to people who are in comas or the unborn baby do we then perceive that they're not as important because obviously they don't have intellect or consciousness at that stage and um, are they therefore less human 
um, do we really want to go down that road? And obviously we saw yeah, just a couple of sessions ago about the role of animals, how people think animals are more intellectual and animals can go into heaven now and animals have more developed souls than they used to believe those things. But now we're believing more things um, in favour of equality. And these things can only come into effect because more people are thinking in an animistic way. We see that animism has entered into our society much more strongly. So, and because of that, there's much more shifting shape in morality towards um, environmental causes to um, protect land rights um, and to look at the value of indigenous people as custodians of the land as opposed to um, savages who had no sense of culture. Um, so it was, it's always been important for us to use some of these ideologies that come from animism philosophically to stand up for human rights, to stand up for animal welfare, to look at how we perceive the world and also in the breaking down of um, imperialist attitudes. And we can see that the growth of animism has actually been linked to the breakdown of imperialism, um, especially in the 1980s. And we'll see that um, there's a lot of, um, since the end of communism, we've had a lot of more animists coming to light in the Middle East, but also in Eastern Bloc countries, that people are getting in contact with their previous history that might not have been um, permissible previously. So we see a lot of growth in animism in Russia um, and also in China, but also in Czechoslovakia and things like that. In fact, we're seeing uh, in Europe, we're seeing a growth of animism um, at 6% six per, six per year um, against population growth. So for every person that's born, you're increasing animism by 6%, which is massive growth. Um, and that's just not people moving into the area, that's people taking up it as a new religion. And so that's obviously had the effect on the philosophy and, of course, ongoing effect on how we change the world um, going forward. So these things are more permissible and also people more identify with them. Um, and the imperial attitude, it's really, it has been linked to the fall of the communism. It's about human uprising and people taking responsibility and that kind of um, protest marches and social action and things like that. That kind of activity is a precluder to people becoming more animistic because it's about how we perceive individual people working on the ground level as opposed to great multinationals who bear down upon us. It's about the interaction and role of small people. And because we've seen that kind of human activity, it means we then we can value um, indigenous societies who are taking a stand. We see those people as important. It's not all about um, big corporations or imperialism. It is about how little people affect the whole world. And that kind of action has fed into what this whole podcast is about. It's about modern animism. It's about how people affect things on a day-to-day -day life. So the idea that animism affects our philosophy is really important to note. So I hope you um, 
comprehend that and understand that and also let me think that's quite relevant as a subject and um, well I do hope so and that's all I'm going to do on this podcast this evening so I hope you enjoyed that I hope it was relevant to you and um, a lot of people like to hear about the animal stuff and environmentalism so I hope you take that forward and I'll see you in well I'll hear from you in a fortnight when I speak to the next um, podcast on monanimism, a very convoluted guide.